Good morning, church. My name is Chad Hedgepath. I, first and foremost, of most importance, I am one of the preachers at Heritage Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, not far from here. But my side gig is uh, principal of Cole Elementary School, uh, just right down the road. And so on behalf of the brothers and sisters at Heritage Church, I send greetings from them to you and from our staff and our families and our students at Cole Elementary School, I want to thank you so very much for the support and love that you give our community, and you are truly making a difference, and we appreciate that partnership and value it, and it is one of the reasons it brings me here today, and it's an honor to be with you today. We are talking about worship. And I want to do a two-part, this may be a little different than normal, but I wanted to get up and prep our minds on our worship this morning, then worship together, and then come back in a few minutes for the meat of our lesson. But I want you to think about, why do you worship? Why do you worship? If you think back to your childhood, you may say, well, I worship because my mom and dad drug me there by my ear kicking and screaming all the way, because unless they saw vomit or blood, we were going to church, right? We see that. It may be others, well, you're just checking it off the list of things to do because it's 9 o'clock on Sunday uh, morning, and you know that you're supposed to be at that building because that's what you were told to do, and you're checking that box off. Others, because you have a passion for God. And you understand what it means to truly worship. We come together to worship. We are called to worship not because it's what we have to do. It's because we want to do it. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Get out your Bibles, get out your iPhones, your iPads, your i whatever. And turn your pages. I love to hear pages turn. You're going to see I am a preacher that sticks with the section. We're going to stick in Deuteronomy 6 and 7 and read from the word together. This is not about how well Chad can put a, a lesson together, but how well God speaks to us through his holy word. And we're going to look in Deuteronomy 6 and 7, starting in verse 4 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Why do we come to worship? I want you to continually ask yourself that question as we go through Scripture this morning. Look in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel. Now I want you to put your name in there. Hear, O Chad. Hear, O Matt Owensby. Hear, O Claire Thweet. Hear, O... Put your name in there. See, I just pointed people out in the middle of church, right? Here, oh, this is not an Old Testament scripture that doesn't mean anything to us anymore. It is applicable to us today. Put your name in there. Here, oh, Chad, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And what's at the end of that sentence? Anybody? Exclamation point. It's all about God. That's point. That's it. That, that, got, that could be the end of the sermon this morning. We could be done. Let's sing a few more songs. Let's take communion and we're out of here, right? We're not going to do that. But that's it. 
We come to worship because the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is all we need. We don't need anything else. But yet we are so flawed as human beings that we think the answer is everywhere else, right? You agree with me that everything you look on the internet is accurate, right? We have a question, who do we go to? Google. Google's our, our newest best friend, and Google knows everything, right? Who do we go to? We have a question. We ask the ladies at the grocery store in our, in our, weekly, um, our weekly trip there. We're looking at anything and everything outside of what is most important. And we come together to worship this morning, and we know, and we have to be reminded, that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's it. That's the sermon. God is all we need. Look at verse 5. It doesn't end because there's more goodness here. Verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. I talked to uh, a young at heart woman on the way in. And she said, you're going to have to... Well, she one gave me a time limit, right? Which I appreciated because her time limit and my time limit are the same. <laughs> But she said, you're going to have to pray for him. You obviously can see that. Yeah, because we all know God knows our hearts. He knows our strengths, our weaknesses. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. That is such an intimate, personal thought there. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. We come to worship because of what God has done for us. And are people able to see you worshiping every day of your life and every moment that you have? That's what those verses are saying. People walk into your house, they ought to be able to see that you're a Christian. You go to the grocery store, people ought to be able to see that you're a Christian. You go to work, people ought to be able to see that you are a Christian. We are called to be different than everybody else. We are called to live in this world, but not be a part of this world. Not let them influence us in a negative way that people don't see us as different as Christians. People should be in contact with you and they should say, there's something different about that person. They have the love of God living in their heart. And they're not like everybody else. Look in verse 7, and then we're going to pause, worship together, remind ourselves of why we come to worship, and truly put our heart into it this morning. But I want us to set us, I want to set us up for the next stage. Look in Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. Because we all come together this morning flawed, right? We've had great things that happened this week, and we've had things that have been really bad to us. We've made good choices, and at times we've made bad choices. But that doesn't mean that we still don't come together to worship God. Why is that? Look in verse 1 of chapter 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess. Now don't think this is Old Testament and I don't need to think about this. You're putting yourself in here. This is you. 
This is you and your household, you and your family. You have a possession you are seeking after, right? I hope. And has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. All those nations bigger than you. All those problems that are bigger than you. All those things that stress you out, that pull you down, that cause you all kinds of anxiety. All those things are weighing on us just like they did in this verse. But look here in verse 2. This is why we come to worship also. Because of what God has done for us. Look at what he's going to do here. In verse 2. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you... God is going to take control of all those things that cause you anxiety. Dot, dot, dot. If we give it over to him. Google doesn't have the answer for your stress. At least for me, he doesn't. I don't even like Google. It doesn't lead me in the right direction. Because God is going to deliver all those stresses, all those nations over to me. Comma, verse 2, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. Not only is God going to take care of them, he is going to wipe them out. Done. Forget about it. Turn your back away from those things that are causing you problems. And you shall make no covenant with them nor show mercy to them. So as we worship this morning, we worship because we give praise to God for what he's done for us. We worship because we need him in our lives. We are calling him, please come into my heart. Please come into me. I need you in my life. I need you in my mind. I need you in my heart. I need you in my soul. I need you in everything I do because I can't do this all by myself. So as we worship, let's think through that. And let's sing more together. I appreciate our song leader and our fine brother who led our communion thoughts And did you see their mentality in that? We did not pre-plan their words or their songs. I just showed up today and gave them a a topic that I was going to talk about. But we're all in the same boat, right? We're all in the same boat. And we're all struggling with the same thing. And there's some of us that are thinking, but Chad, I'm not worthy to come to the foot of Jesus. I'm not worthy to stand at the cross. I'm not worthy to come to worship. There may be people watching us online right now saying, I can't come back into that building because I'm not worthy of Jesus. You're right. You're exactly right. People nowadays don't get baptized. They don't want to commit to Jesus Christ because they are ashamed of what they've done and they think I will never be perfect enough to have my sins washed away. I will never be able to live perfect every single day and so there's no sense in me committing to Jesus. There's no sense in me being baptized. Guess what? You are exactly right. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about something much bigger. And I want you to look into Deuteronomy chapter 7. Look in verse 6. 
it's not about us. We live in a world that it's me, 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 right? Everything's about me. Have it your way. I go to Burger King, I can get whatever I want on that burger. I can get the meat any way I want it nowadays. It's all about me, right? No, it's not. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. For you are a holy people of the Lord, your God. That's you. That's you, 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 and you. All of you. It's talking to us. It's not talking to Old Testament people that are dead and gone and never made an impact. No, it's talking to us today. For you are a holy people. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. That is why we worship every single day. That is why we give praise to God because of what Jesus has done for us. You aren't holy because of what you have done. You are holy because of what Jesus did for you. We get that mixed up. I did a class, we talked about holiness, probably two years ago over the summer, on a Wednesday night, and my first question on the first night of that quarter was, how many of you think that you are holy? Not a single hand went up. Why do you not think you're holy? Because I'm sinful. You're exactly right. And you know why you're holy? Three months later, they figured it out, or we figured it out together. Three months later, it's not because of what we do, it's because of what Jesus did for us. We are a chosen people, we are holy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And if that doesn't cause us to want to worship God, then I've got a, a speed dial phone number for my cardiologist. Because we have some heart issues. And we need to adjust that. Look at verse 7. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. God did not choose you because you're the CEO of a company, because you make six figures, because you're the principal of a school, because you have 14 grandchildren. God did not choose you because of your resume or your credentials or who you are. God chose you because you are a child of God who he created himself. We should honor and praise God for that. Look in verse 8. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to his fathers. Man, that, that, isn't, that doesn't happen today, does it? People lie and cheat all the time. God made an oath to Abraham himself on behalf of every single person in this room this morning. And God has kept that oath to this day. And he will forever keep that oath until all of us pass away. Second part of 8. The Lord has brought you out of a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the, land, the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Verse 9, therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God. Where'd you see that? At the very beginning, right? The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. God has promised you and me that he will always be there for us. 
I had a lady at church come up to me and say, I had a friend who said that at times God has turned his back on her. I said, Debbie, that is absolutely wrong. There is not a moment on earth that God ever turns his back on us. There's times when we turn our back on God, we have a decision to make, and we choose to hide God in the closet while we go and make this bad choice. We turn our back on him. Never does God turn his back on us. We're all going. In verse 8 there, it talked about that bondage in, in Egypt. Like I said, it's not, this is an Old Testament that doesn't relate to us today. We're all in bondage in our own Egypts. We all have our issues in life. We all have those things that we're struggling with. We all have those chains that are weighing on us, that weight on our back that is pushing us down. And it causes us to think, is God really there for me? And why should I worship him when he's not helping me at all? Let's look in chapter 8 as we start to wrap up here. Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of, the, the, uh, the, possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Verse 3, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We all are going through 40 years of wilderness in our life every single day. We live in a world that is messed up. We live in a world that isn't following God. It's the same kind of world that these Old Testament characters lived in too. But we have to remember the covenant that God made with us. We have to remember that we are going to struggle. No one said being a Christian was going to be easy. No one said standing up for what's right is going to be easy. People are going to make fun of you. They're going to think you're weird. They're going to push you aside. I, don't, I really don't want to talk to you anymore. But it's not about them. It's not about what their thought is. It's about what God has done for us. He is, he's bringing us through that wilderness, each one of us. He's bringing through, to keep us humble. Humble to remember that God is in control. And God has a plan for me, and God has a plan for you. And we have to stop depending on everything else and start depending more on him. Because here's the victory. Look in verse 5 of Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8, verse 5. You should know in your heart... That a man, that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. 
For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, of pomegranates, a land of olive and honey, olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. We long for that land of heaven. He's not talking about, to us today, God is not talking about a property that you can go out there and buy. He's talking about a possession that is priceless. We struggle. We struggle daily. We have to make some hard choices, and it's, it's not easy. But God has made a promise to us. God will never turn his back on us. And he is begging us to allow him to take control of our lives. And that's why we come to worship every single day. I'm going to ask the elders to come forward. And you're going to have an opportunity to pray with them. I hope that this lesson has pricked your heart. If you don't think you're good enough, you're exactly right. This is your opportunity to come pray with an elder. If you think you're heading down the wrong pathway and that land is one that you're trying to purchase on your own, you need to come talk to an elder and let them pray for you. If you are ready to put on the sweet name of Jesus Christ and to become holy because of the blood of Jesus and what he has done for you, let him wash you clean this morning. Won't you come forward this morning and pray with an elder? Let your needs be known.